Well, I just want to thank our worship team tonight. Mm. Uh, oh, what a Savior, church. Amen. Isn't he wonderful, huh? Amen. Amen. Well, today we're crossing the finish line in our CrossFit sermon series, throughout which we've been focusing our attention on the spiritual disciplines that help us all to grow in godliness. I want you to recall that last week, Pastor Allen introduced us to the discipline of financial stewardship. All that we have belongs to God. We are simply temporary managers, stewards of His resources. That's true of all of our finances and all of our material belongings, our stuff. And embracing this understanding of stewardship rather than ownership allows us and frees us to grow in fresh new ways in the grace of giving. So today we want to enlarge our understanding of that very same principle of stewardship. As we consider other resources provided on loan to us by our gracious Heavenly Father. I say on loan because, like our finances, these resources belong to God. But for a season, we've been given the opportunity to manage them. You may have guessed the resources I'm speaking of are our gifts and our talents. We honor God with these gifts and talents as we use them to serve others, especially those in need. And as we use them in service to his kingdom through his body, the church. A charge from the Apostle Peter will serve to launch our study today. We'll look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Where Peter says this, As each of you has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very varied grace. The title of today's message is Growing in Godliness Through Service. Would you please look to the Lord with me in prayer? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, now in these moments, we pray that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to each of our hearts. God, give us soft hearts where your word can find a fertile place to take root and to grow. And God, we pray that you change us tonight, transform us with your word and with the example of Jesus. And we ask these things in his precious name. All God's people say it. Amen. And as we consider today this matter of using the gifts and talents God has given us to serve others, may the Lord be with you. Well, July 8, 2012, began like many other Sunday mornings here at ACAC. Our former lead pastor, Pastor Rock, was offering the message that morning, and I was sharing the responsibility to close the services with another of our pastors. My, my colleague was slated to close at some of the services that weekend, while I was scheduled to close at others. And Unfortunately, a communication mix-up left us both thinking that the other had the busy middle service covered. 
So Pastor Donnie Tucker's frantic voice on the cell phone immediately grabbed my attention. Blaine, where are you? Rock's done preaching and we need you here on the platform. On a flash, I rushed out of my office in the Union Place building and, and ran across the parking lot here toward the sanctuary. And that's when it happened. First, I wasn't sure exactly what it was. I just knew that suddenly I was seeing stars and feeling faint and stumbling forward with the worst limp I'd ever had. By the time I made it to the waiting room back here to my right behind the sanctuary, I was sweating profusely and white as a sheet. Staff members in the room, including Pastor Donnie, made me sit down immediately. I was determined to get to the platform, but they refused to let me out of my chair. Meanwhile, poor Pastor Rock, his sermon long finished, was doing an awkward song and dance out here on the platform. At one point, Donnie had called out from the side door, Blaine's on his way which Rock had gladly reported to the congregation as he stalled for time. But now Donnie poked his head out again with this cryptic update. Blaine's here, but he's not coming out. (laughs) Well, I can only imagine what was going through our good pastor's mind as he closed out that service in my absence. But at that moment, I really didn't care because I was being shipped off to the hospital where it was determined I had ruptured the Achilles tendon in my left leg. Surgery and a long period of recovery followed. A few months later, when I was released from medical care, a new physical reality dawned on me. Despite all the attention paid to my injured left leg, my left calf muscle was only half the size of my right. Now, please know the calf muscle on my good leg is nothing to write home about. (laughs) Even in my heyday physically, my wife had teased me about my chicken legs. But to this day, pictured side by side, these legs look like before and after shot from a Weight Washers commercial. The good leg over here is not exactly hefty, hefty, hefty. But this one is definitely wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. So, brothers and sisters, why have I endured the fresh embarrassment of telling you all this? Well, often spiritual realities are best illustrated by examples from our physical world. We see this in Scripture all the time. And for our purposes, the simple physical illustration is this. If we don't exercise our muscles over extended periods of time, in my case due to injury, they shrink from disuse. They atrophy. And when later we want to use them, we find them weakened and less capable than before. Can I suggest to you that I believe that's exactly what has happened in the church at large today with respect to the spiritual muscle that drives our kingdom service. Peter told us to use the gifts we've been given by God to serve one another. 
Note, by definition, others are required to serve one another. But the pandemic forced us into a a 16-month season of virtual isolation, a hellish isolation for some. We were told others were a threat. Stay away. Stand at least six feet apart. And and goodness, don't ever gather in groups even on holidays. And and while the the health advice may have been sound, one unintended consequence in the church of Jesus Christ is that the spiritual muscle associated with serving appears to have atrophied from disuse. Now, why do I say that? Well, today as churches have started to regather for worship and ramp up much-needed in-person ministry opportunities, unfortunately, pastors from all across the country are finding that the collective capacity of the saints to serve in all the ways we need to see ministry thrive has been weakened. I do want to be clear. I'm not suggesting this is an ACAC issue. So please don't take personal offense or think of pointing fingers at anyone, especially not this congregation. Muscles atrophy with disuse. There's no shame in that. It's just a reality. And as Pastors Ross and Alan and I have spoken with others from across the country, without exception, they've told us their concern about finding Christians who are willing once again to serve as they did before the pandemic. Parents want their kids back in church, but it's hard to find enough teachers. There aren't enough greeters to help seniors from their cars or help visitors find their way. Nurseries are understaffed and students are lacking the mentors and youth leaders. The same story is repeated in church after church after church. So it's in this context today that I'd like us to consider the spiritual discipline of service. Is it important that we use our gifts and talents to serve the king? Is it important? I mean, let's be honest. It's kind of nice not having to show up early, not having the added responsibility or the, the inconvenience, all the things that serving requires of us. Wouldn't we all just rather show up and be served? Well, be that as it may, brothers and sisters, Jesus shows us a very different way. And today, I'd like to open the scriptures to a passage familiar to most of us. And I'd like us together to consider this question. What would change for us today if we served like Jesus? You can turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 13. The scene pictured there is commonly referred to as the Last Supper. Now, chapter 13 is the apostles' account of Jesus' last evening spent with the closest members of his faith community, his 12 disciples. Happened shortly before his, immediately before his betrayal and trial, arrest and and execution the following morning. The scriptures tell us that Jesus knew his hour had come to depart out of this world, John 13, 1. None of the events that would follow this intimate gathering with his disciples would catch him by surprise. So Jesus' teachings on this evening were 
especially meaningful for him. And we should take them to heart. So let's set the scene for our story. On the night before his crucifixion, Jesus and the 12 disciples had gathered in Jerusalem to eat a traditional Passover meal in a large upper floor guest room that had been made available to them for that purpose. They'd come from Bethany where they were staying. And they all arrived at the guest room having trod in open sandals the same two-mile road from Bethany that was used by many other holiday travelers and their animals. Jesus would have been considered the host of the dinner. In other settings, especially among the wealthy, a servant of the host, usually a, a, a Gentile servant, would have been assigned the lowly task of washing the now dirty feet of all the guests upon their arrival. But no such amenity was available to Jesus and his group in that borrowed upper room. And so it was with unwashed feet that Jesus and the twelve reclined at table to share this special meal. Now, as an aside, know that as a young man, I once shared a house with four other Christian brothers. And one of our group had the novel idea of building a knee-high dining room table in the shape of a large octagon. The idea was that we could enjoy our version of that early Christian experience of reclining together at table. As I look back, I can say with confidence that dinners at that table were an experience best suited for the flexibility of youth. I shudder to even think of trying to get up and down to eat at that table today. But let me also say this. At that table, smelly feet had a tendency to dull one's appetite. So I have to suspect that the fragrance of sweat and dust and, and, and shall we just say animal odors on the feet of Jesus Mary band could not have gone completely unnoticed on the evening they reclined together in that upper room. So let's look to the story itself. It's told by John in the 13th chapter, starting in verse 2. During supper... When the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. And then he poured water from a, into a basin. And he began to wash the feet of the disciples using the towel to wipe, the, wipe them. Using the towel that was wrapped around him to wipe the feet of his disciples. From there, we'll skip down to the latter part of the story in verse 12. And when he had washed his feet, he put on his outer garment and resumed his place, and he said to them, 
Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord. You're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. On that evening, when every word uttered by Jesus was pregnant with meaning, he spoke to his closest friends about serving one another, of putting their love into action. And he did it in a way that left them, most of them anyhow, speechless. Are we ready to once again put our love into action? To exercise that muscle that does that? I trust that we are. So let's look more closely at the example of service that Jesus himself gave us in that encounter in the upper room. For when we do, I think we'll see that many important principles emerge. Today, I'd just like to highlight briefly six of them. The first is this. If we purpose to serve like Jesus, we'll realize that serving is not optional. Jesus himself said he had came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Matthew 20, 28, uh, 20 verse 28. Later, Paul would affirm this theme in quoting what many believe was a a hymn of the early church in Philippians chapter 2. Speaking of Jesus, he said, though he was in the form of God, he did not account, count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. If we want to look like Jesus, we too will take the form of a servant. A willingness to serve should come as standard equipment for every Christ follower. I've given you an example, Jesus said, after washing the disciples' feet. You should do just as I've done to you. If we are to follow his example, brothers and sisters, serving isn't optional. Another principle of Christ-like service that emerges from this passage is this. Serving begins close to home. On the day that followed that evening meal, Jesus would perform the most universal act of service in all of human history. For on Calvary's cross, he would take upon himself the sins of the whole world, bearing the judgment for every man, woman, and child who would ever live. But when he washed the feet of those in the upper room, Jesus' humble and selfless act of service was reserved for just a few He washed the feet of 12 alone, the 12 who had been with him, the 12 who, along with a handful of others, had become his closest family of faith. Beloved, the service to which God ultimately calls you could take you to places and people half a world away, but the exercise of this discipline should always begin close to home. In fact, it should begin in the home. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, Paul said in Ephesians 5. Service in the home puts love into action. 
and from the home, our service should extend into the life of our local church and community. So we saw earlier, Peter charged believers to use the gifts God had given them to serve one another. The body of Christ is built up when you use your gifts to serve. So serving's not optional, and it begins close to home. But when we serve like Jesus, we'll see that serving leads us to needs that have been ignored. Now, 13 men sat down to dinner that night. All 13 must have been aware there wasn't a clean pair of feet among them. But only one got up, wrapped himself in a towel, poured water into a basin, and proceeded to wash the feet of the others. Will you and I learn to serve like the one? God, give me eyes to see the needs that others have missed and a heart willing to step into that need. Jesus saw a need, dirty, smelly feet that the others had chosen to ignore. Without any prompting, he rose from supper to address that need. Jesus acted upon the needs the disciples had ignored. Fourth, when we serve like Jesus, we'll see that serving connects us with those others would avoid. Now, Jesus' habit of befriending undesirables was a matter of public record. He welcomed his reputation for hanging out with sinners and dining with tax collectors. But on the night of this Passover meal, Jesus outdid himself. What must have been going through his mind as one by one Jesus washed the feet of his disciples only to come before the feet of Judas? Judas had been there through it all. He'd seen Jesus heal many and deliver others from demonic oppression. Why, why he'd even seen Jesus rise, uh, 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 cause people to rise from the dead. And yet later on this night, it would be a kiss from Judas that would betray, him in, betray Jesus into the hands of the authorities who wanted him dead. And the scriptures are quite clear Jesus knew all of this as he humbly stooped to wash the feet of Judas. What would you and I have done? Jesus willingly served those others would avoid. Will we do the same? Including the outcasts, the people that just annoy us, or even those who have offended us or hurt us or betrayed us. Fifth, when we serve like Jesus, we'll learn that serving looks past our perceived status or position. Each of us is indeed a steward of all the gifts and talents that God has given us. They're to be used to build up his body. Jesus understood his role as Lord and teacher to his disciples. 
To that point, it had been the primary way that he had served them. But on that evening, Jesus laid aside any honor that might be associated with those roles and titles and willingly served them in the manner of the lowest of household servants. To say his disciples were shocked would be an understatement. You shall never wash my feet, said Peter. In the small portion of the passage that we skipped over in our reading earlier. But Jesus was undeterred, and Peter eventually joined the others at dinner with clean feet. If I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, Jesus explained, you also ought to wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example. Now, I don't think Jesus was fixated on the matter of feet. Do you? The example wasn't about feet, so you don't have to go home tonight and say to your spouse, honey, can I serve you by washing your feet? (laughs) I saw some of you shaking your heads. No, 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 that's not happening. (laughs) Listen, Dirty feet were just the context for an unforgettable example of service, selfless service. If Jesus, their teacher and Lord, was willing to take the place of the lowliest of servants for their sake, would his disciples now humble themselves to do the same for one another? Brothers and sisters, will we do the same for one another? Immediately after the ground blessing ceremony a couple of weeks ago, a lot of tear down and clean up work remained. It, it had already been a long day for everyone and, and, and people were tired. But what a blessing it was to see pastors and elders and church leaders working alongside a whole team of, of willing volunteers to break down tables and restack chairs and and get the park and the grounds outside set back to normal. When we serve like Jesus, we'll gladly serve with a humility that puts aside any perceived airs of status or position. So serving isn't optional. Begins close to home. Serving leads us to needs that have been ignored and connects us with people others would avoid. Serving like Jesus causes us to look past our own perceived status and position. And finally, number six, when we serve like Jesus, we'll understand that serving reveals heaven's view of greatness. In his own account of that dinner gathering, the gospel writer Luke records that at some point in the evening, a dispute arose among Christ's disciples about which of them would be regarded as the greatest. Can you imagine? In his spirit, Jesus was wrestling with going to the cross. While in his shadow... The disciples were arguing about which of them was the greatest. Some Bible scholars have suggested that this dispute may have even prompted Jesus to take the radical step of publicly washing their feet. 
Whether that's true is unclear. Luke didn't tell us, but this much is clear. Jesus settled the issue. Let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves. Jesus said, Luke twenty two twenty six. Any leader in Christ's church who is not at their core a servant has missed their calling. And any believer who aspires to look like Jesus must, like him, take the form of a servant. For serving reveals heaven's view of greatness. Growing in godliness as together, church, we learn to serve like Jesus. In closing, let me just say that in Christ's kingdom, the muscle that empowers our service needs to be exercised regularly. It may have been weakened over this last season of inactivity, but its current state shouldn't be allowed to become the new normal for our Christian service. Rather, let's commit ourselves to the discipline of putting love into action through Christ-honoring service. Would you join with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for this opportunity to consider Jesus' example on that fateful night. God, help us to serve in a similar way. Help us to, to take on the form of a servant like he did. Help us to exercise that muscle regularly. Lord, I pray for this church, among your body, for this church, to always be known as a serving church. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As a practical epilogue, before I ask you to turn your attention to the side screens for our announcement, let me say that on your way into the sanctuary today, you should have received a card that lists a wide variety of places to serve here at ACAC, children's and student ministries, hospitality. There are some real needs there as we prepare for construction, missions, and many others. Listen, if you're new to ACAC and you'd like help just finding the right place for you to serve, we'd love to talk to you. God's Spirit has already been speaking to you about some of these matters. You can fill out that card and turn it into the reception desk out in this lobby. Otherwise, would, would you please just take this card home and put it on your refrigerator in your Bible and, and take time to pray over it? We all understand that for some there are ongoing health concerns or special circumstances that, that limit your capacity to serve. And, and if that's you, please receive grace in that. Please receive grace. Our request, as always, is simply to ask God's people to pray and then do as His Spirit leads. Finally, if you're one of those who has already powered back up and stepped into areas of service in helpful ways among your church family, thank you. Thank you for your kingdom leadership, brother or sister. God bless you, church. Have a great week serving the king. God bless.